What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Bald Head Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Bald Head Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Moses stood there gripping the staff. It was the staff of Aaron's that had miraculously budded, and God had commanded him to take it from in front of the ark and to bring it. Well, he gripped the staff, but he gripped it in anger. And he probably gripped it with two hands because he was ready to swing it like a baseball bat. Now, baseball had not been invented yet, but he was ready to swing it. And he was ready to swing it at a rock and to hit it as hard as he could because, like I said, he was angry. He was tired. The previous generation that he'd led from Egypt all the way to the border of the Promised Land had whined and complained the whole time. And maybe he was hoping this new generation their children would be different, would be moved more by faith than fear, would be moved by love rather than a lust for self in their bellies. But this new generation, this new generation seemed no different. All they did was complain, just like their parents, and he was tired of it. And like I said, maybe just a little bit angry. And now he was ready to vent his anger by hitting this rock. And when he did, God had promised that water would flow and the people would be able to drink. Yes, they'd be able to quench their thirst and the people would be off his back. As he's standing there ready to hit the rock, Aaron looked at him and nodded knowingly. You know, Aaron, his brother, had also thought of hitting the rock. You know, he agreed with Moses that hitting the rock would be more dramatic and it would show the people who was in charge. Yes. They were led by Yahweh. Yes, they were led by Yahweh, but but also led by Moses and by extension Aaron because they talked to God. It was those two God used to accomplish his will and to talk to the people. And I wonder if Moses had talked to Aaron before they completed this miracle. And I wonder if they had both come up with the plan to hit the rock, to strike the rock. Now, God had said to speak to the rock. But I wonder if they thought, ah, it's not as dramatic. 
Plus, Moses, I think, was angry and hitting it would demonstrate the power of God and also the power of Moses and Aaron and also would allow Moses to vent some anger. And so Moses stood by the rock that God had led him to. Moses stood by the rock that God had asked him to speak to. Now, I think it was probably a large rock in the side of a mountain nearby. Or it could have been a boulder standing all by itself. Now, imagine he's standing there with Aaron's rod in one hand and Aaron standing off to the side and all the people of Israel are standing around. Man, they're pushing in on him because... They are thirsty, and they're all whining and complaining. They're thirsty. Their cattle's thirsty. I mean, they're in the middle of a desert with nothing to drink. The Bible records that they said, Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, and pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Numbers 20, verses 4 through 5. That is what the Bible records the people said. And they're all pushing in and they are ready for God to provide water. So Moses, in front of all these people, is going to prove once and for all that they could trust God. And that they could also trust Moses and Aaron's leadership. And so Moses took his staff, took that rod put his two hands on it like a baseball bat, pulled it backwards behind his head, and then, I think, paused. And then he yelled, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Numbers 20, verse 10. Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? I mean, he's telling them off, essentially. Man, how come you don't trust that God's going to provide? Must we bring water out of this rock for you? And then at this point, at this point, with the staff raised, right, ready to hit the rock, at this point, Moses still had a chance to enter the promised land. At this point, Moses still had the chance to do what was right and not to rebel. But Moses didn't obey. Instead, he swung that rod down and hit the rock. Not once, but he hit the rock twice. And I think the minute he hit that rock, water gushes forth. Water came out of a solid piece of granite. Can you imagine what a miracle? And not just a trickle, I think. It was a torrent. It, was, it had to be enough water to satisfy the thirst of a million plus people and all of their cattle. It must have been a gusher. But I bet, I bet the minute Moses hit it, I bet he knew he had made a grave mistake. The Bible later says that Moses and Aaron, because I think he was in on the planning of it all, did not stop. And because he did not stop, and because he hit that rock, the Bible says that both Moses and Aaron rebelled, rebelled against the Lord in that moment. Numbers 27 verse 14 says, When the community quarreled in the wilderness of Zin, 
both of you rebelled against my command to demonstrate my holiness in their sight at the waters. Moses and Aaron rebelling? How did that happen? You're saying that Moses and Aaron rebelled? How? Why? When did this happen? Well, in today's story, we are going to learn about the importance of obeying God, even in what we consider the small stuff. In the little things that don't seem to make much sense, but to God, I wonder if sometimes it is those little things and your obedience and my obedience in those little things that shows your true heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I think in today's story, we're going to realize it's obedience. Complete obedience, even in the stuff that doesn't seem that important to us. But it's those little things that matter to God. See, Moses was in the wilderness of Zin. Z-I-N. Zin. Now, the wilderness of Zin is right on the southern border of the Promised Land. It had taken them 40 years. But now, now they're back. The previous generation had died, and now God was ready to lead this new generation back into the promised land, to take the land back from the Canaanite tribes that were there. The Bible is pretty much silent about what happened between the failure of the ten spies of faith in Yahweh and how Yahweh turned around and promised the people that they would wander in the desert until everyone 20 years old or older passed away. Then he would return with the younger generation and lead them and Caleb and Joshua back into the promised land. So for the next 40 years they wandered and pretty much the Bible has nothing to say about that time period. The Bible lays out five stages of the people of Israel coming from Egypt, right? The first stage was from Egypt to Mount Sinai. Then the time they sojourned at Mount Sinai getting the law. And, and then after that, their first approach to the promised land. And then their failure. And then the 38 years of wandering around the desert. And now, the fifth and final approach back here to the promised land. I wonder what it must have been like for Moses to lead a people whose sole purpose was to get the next generation ready to go into the promised land while they died off. I wonder how hard that must have been for Moses to lead a people whose main goal in life was to die. <laughs> well, now they're back. The 40 years were done. The unbelieving generation was dead. In fact, as they came into the wilderness of Zin, the Bible says Miriam, the sister of Moses, died. And they buried her right there at a place called Kedesh in the wilderness of Zin. I wonder if she was the last of that faithless generation. And now only Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb were left. Well, as they waited in the wilderness of Zin the people began to run out of water. I wonder if the Lord was testing this generation. I wonder if he was seeing how they would act. Would they have faith? Would they trust God? 
Sadly, I think this demonstrates that this generation was not that different from the people they came from because they immediately ended up blaming Moses and Aaron. They then asked, why didn't Yahweh just leave them in Egypt with food and water? And, and why bring them out here to a desert? And why wander for 40 years? And they complained and complained and complained. And when Moses heard this, they immediately went to the tent of meeting to meet with Yahweh. And there the glory of the Lord descended. I still think that's a cool phrase. The glory of the Lord descended and met with Moses and Aaron. And there God gave them an answer. God would provide for them as he did way back at the beginning of their exodus from Egypt by providing water from a rock. Now, earlier, God had provided water in the exact same way when they were first coming out of Egypt. Remember that story? There again, the people complained, and there again, God provided their needs through a miraculous intervention by providing water from a rock. But in that first instance, God had told Moses to strike the rock. Exodus 17, verse 6, I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses obeyed and did exactly as God commanded him. But here, when he met with them, Moses and Aaron at the tent of meeting, here God asks Moses to speak to the rock. He didn't want Moses to hit the rock, but instead to speak to it. Now why? Why the difference? I think the difference is found in this phrase that God uses. He tells Moses that he wants to demonstrate his holiness to the people. And to do that, he needs Moses to speak to the rock. To demonstrate his holiness means that God wanted to demonstrate that he, Yahweh, was set apart. That he, Yahweh, was holy and that he, he alone, would provide their needs. I think in the Exodus 17 story, I think God asked Moses to strike the rock to show that it was God through Moses that was going to take care of the people of Israel. In having Moses strike the rock, I think God was validating the leadership of Moses while also confirming that the blessings come from Yahweh. I think in many ways he's confirming that Moses was God's chosen man, but here he just wanted Moses to talk to the rock to speak to the stone. Because he wanted the people to know it wasn't the rod in Moses' hand. It, it wasn't even Moses this time that provided their needs. It was their holy, merciful, loving God, Yahweh. But I don't think Moses was listening. See, I don't think Moses or Aaron had a heart to obey God in this particular instance, in this little thing of speaking and not striking the rock. I think they were probably thinking, well, we've done this before and we know how best to do this to impress the people. Plus, they were probably fed up with all the whining and all the complaining and all the doubting of Moses and Aaron and their leadership. And a good swing at that rock would feel good and would show the people the power of God and also the leadership again of Moses and by extension Aaron. Well, God told them to first go and get the budding staff that Moses had placed in front of the Ark of the Covenant. God then wanted Moses to stand before the people with that rod in his hand and again to demonstrate to the people what a unique and holy God they served. 
Well, I think Moses and Aaron instead were thinking, what a cool staff to hit this rock with. Now the people would know for sure who was in charge. And so Moses calls for all of Israel to assemble by the rock. God had probably used a big boulder, maybe one completely standing on its own, or maybe one that was part of a hillside or a mountain. And, and he used this rock so that he could demonstrate his power to them. So the various leaders of the various tribes are at the front with the millions of people in rows behind them. There were probably animals mooing and banging, thirsty for water. And maybe the people were yelling the names of Moses, Aaron. Yay, let's get this going. We need some water. Where is the water? They were sick of their leadership, sick of their aimless wandering. They were thirsty. And so in the middle of all that noise, bah, Aaron, let's get going, Moses, I'm thirsty, bah, all this noise. I think Moses let his anger and frustration rule the day. See, he knew he was supposed to speak to the rock, right? God had told him. Aaron knew that. Moses knew that. And when Aaron saw Moses raise the staff above his head, ready to swing it at the rock, Aaron could have stopped him. But he didn't. And Moses didn't stop either. They both knew what was right to do, speak to the rock. And instead, they went with what they thought was best, strike the rock. And Moses hits the rock twice. And then water comes gushing, cascading, rushing from the rock. And finally, the people can drink. And I can just imagine the people are just rushing in with their, you know, goat skins to fill with water and bowls to get more water. And some people are just grabbing it with their hands and throwing it into their faces and their mouths and maybe feeding it to their cattle. And this wonderful water is just flowing for everybody to drink. And everyone is smiling and so happy. But I think Moses and Aaron, like I said, I think they have long faces because the minute they hit that rock, they knew they had done something terrible. And in the end, Moses and Aaron will pay a high price for their disobedience. You know what's interesting is later on, this type of disobedience messing with how God wanted himself presented to his people, messing with the rules that God set up, how men were supposed to interact with Yahweh himself. Later on, two men would get themselves killed because of this type of disobedience. But for now, God says to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. Numbers 20, verse 12. Like I said, it's interesting how two men later get killed for doing the same type of disobedience. Their names are Nadab and Abihu. Later on, Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, will offer strange fire before the Lord. 
And it's found in Leviticus chapter 10. And in that instance, when they did that, they were instantly killed. And in both instances, the phrase, I will demonstrate my holiness was used. Then fire came from the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Leviticus 10, verse 2. And then verse 3, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has spoken. I will, and here's that phrase, demonstrate my holiness to those who are near me, and I will reveal my glory before all the people. And Aaron remained silent. God said that he wanted to demonstrate his holiness and that Nadab and Abihu were killed for violating that, for not allowing God to demonstrate his holiness. And so God showed great mercy and compassion towards Moses and Aaron. He could have had them killed right there on the spot, but instead he did not allow them a great blessing. And what's that great blessing? He did not allow them the great blessing of going into the promised land. The people of Israel were going to eventually go into the promised land, but they were going to be led by somebody else, not Moses and not Aaron. Aaron would later be told to go to the top of Mount Hor where he died outside of the promised land at the age of 123. And later on, Moses would also die at the top of Mount Pisgah. It says there in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 7, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which faces Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the plain in the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zor, The Lord then said to him, This is the land I promised Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross into it. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the Lord's word. He buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, facing Beth Peor, and no one to this day knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. So for their choices, Moses and Aaron, they're denied the blessing of entering the promised land. And chapter 20 of Numbers ends with Aaron dying on the top of Mount Hor, but not before first passing on the priesthood to his son Eleazar, And then Aaron dies at the age of 123. And like I said, later on, Moses will also die at the age of 120. Both Moses and Aaron missing out on the blessing of going into the promised land because of this great sin. It seemed just a little thing, right? The difference between speaking and striking, you know? And before they had struck the rock, when they had done this exact same thing many years earlier, and so Moses had experience, Aaron had experience, plus it was dramatic, it was cool. You know, what does it matter if I speak, or does it matter if I strike it? Yes, it does. And I wonder how many blessings have I missed out on because of 
disobedience and disobedience in those little things, things that I consider little, things that I consider minor, but to the Lord, they are great because he wants you to obey. What if Moses had just simply obeyed? What if Aaron had just simply obeyed the Lord, but instead they disobeyed? And again, in something maybe they considered minor, speaking versus striking. But God said, no, this was big because you would not allow me to demonstrate my holiness. This was big. But in the end, you know, I wonder how many blessings I've missed out on because of disobedience and those things that I consider little, but they're important to the Lord. But I am also so thankful for the grace of Jesus that works with me in my weakness. And like Moses and Aaron, could have been killed there right on the spot. But instead, God gives me grace, just like he gave Moses and Aaron. He gave Moses and Aaron grace when they didn't deserve it. And he gives me grace when I don't deserve it. And I am so thankful for Jesus, who is a high priest who forever makes intercession for me before the Father. And I am thankful that I can go to the Father and ask for forgiveness through his son, Jesus. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And I want you to remember what Psalm 145 verse 17 says. The Lord is Yahweh. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. And I want you to remember when you hear stories like this, I want you to remember Psalms 145 verse 17. There God says, it says this, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.